As we shared at the very beginning of this year, these banners tell the story that we want a deeper relationship, truer worship, deeper prayer, more passion for Christ, greater faith. I want you to also understand that those things also speak of our relationship one with another. Today isn't really uncommon to what's always happening in the body of Christ, a community of believers. Today, William Baker is here with his granddaughters. William, just wave your hand over there. You don't have to stand if you don't want to. He's walked a road that some of you have walked. Phyllis went home to be with the Lord just a number of days ago. First time back with us. This is family, church. So good to see him here today. But not only is he walking that road, Helen McKnight is here. Helen, wave your hands right there. Leo went home to be with the Lord. Uh, they, some of you is like, oh, I haven't seen them in a while. It's because they moved to Florida about four years ago. Uh, stayed on, uh, on streaming services with the church. And, um, but anyhow, Leo got his graduation in order. And Helen's here for a, a short period of time with family. Then she'll head back to Florida. And uh, she just had to get some of this good Georgia uh, wind in her ears and hair and breathe the good Georgia air and uh, this is home they were a big part of the church here and so for both families it's part of the journey as we talk about loving on one another serving our God together today I want to share a message with you that might be the best sermon I ever preach in my entire ministry not because of my skill set, not because of my oratory skills, not because I'm wiser necessarily. The message itself, it isn't so much the delivery, it's the content that we're always preaching around it, but I want to I hit the bullseye today. I want to start off with a question that all of us ask, who, me? You talking to me? God, you want me to do what? God, do you know my name? Brad came to me earlier, our lead usher today, and just happened to tell me a random testimony of what happened to him many years ago going through a time of struggle. And he, he said he just heard a distinct voice in his spirit. Patience, my son. But it took him Years beyond that statement, because he was going through crisis, he kept hearing the word patience, but it dawned on him, but he called me into relationship, my son. Who, me? Son of God, daughter of God, child of God, who, me? Matter of fact, the word of God <clears throat> speaks to us so much about these type of things and, and tells us that the works that Jesus did, that we can do as well. And you're like, who, me? So most of us feel inferior, and that's why a lot of work isn't done because we just don't feel like we measure up, that we're qualified. We know our list of failures, and it negated uh, our pristine, perfect life. Well, the Bible's filled with examples, and you'll probably find yourself <clears throat> in this list. 
when you don't think that you're good enough. How, how many don't th- feel like you're good enough? Raise your hand. Well, this is for you. When you don't feel like God can use you. So listen to the list in the Bible of those that we reverence and we just say, oh, they're in the hall of faith and, and wow, the things they accomplished, man, they were just perfect people. Well, Noah, how many knows who Noah was? Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob, he was a liar. Leah, she was ugly. Well, that always hits a nerve. Joseph was abused. Moses stuttered. Gideon was afraid. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy, they were too young. David had an affair and was a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah (laughs) preached naked. Don't get any ideas. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. John the Baptist eight bugs. Peter denied Christ. The disciples fell asleep while praying. Oh, I know this is going to hit another nerve. Martha worried about everything. The Samaritan woman was divorced multiple times. Zacchaeus, too small. Paul, too religious. Timothy had an ulcer. And Lazarus, he was dead. Quite a list. Did you find yourself in the list? A liar, too religious, a worrier. I'm not going to ask you if you think you're ugly. I'm sure I'm not going to ask if you go around naked. Who, me? God wants a relationship with me? God knows my name, really? He's got a plan for my life? Who, me? 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Stand with me and we'll read God's word together. I want to begin at verse 7. But we have this treasure, it's in jars of clay, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, not forsaken. Cast down, struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Who, me? 
For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Verse 16, so we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Can I hear an amen? Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen, they're transient. But the things that are unseen, they are eternal. As you're being seated, turn to somebody and say, man, I needed to hear that. This reference of clay is found out through the word of God. Isaiah spoke of our bodies like clay. Jeremiah spoke of our bodies like clay. Daniel spoke of our bodies being like clay. Paul, New Testament, reminded us about the clay. So here we are, jars of clay, mortal. The things that we relate with is that our bodies is likened unto an earthen vessel. They both came from this earth. We're just living dirt, living clay, taken from this world and given the privilege of something being put into us that is everlasting. The jars of clay reference brings up some realities for us as human beings. Many of us don't accept change very well, do we? This means yes. And once we find ourselves shaped, I mean, we're finally mature, we're finally of age, we're finally finding out what we do well. We're, when, uh, the things of God, we feel like I know what God has for my life in this season, and we're feeling real good. Once that's established, we have a hard time accepting change. That maybe he wants to do something new in our life, do something different in our life. Use us in ways now that he couldn't use us In previous years, the maturity, the education, life's experience, the aging process, all these things enhance us for other works. But we find ourselves many times being reluctant. We find ourselves holding back. We get to be protective. I don't, God, I, I love this moment. Just keep me here the rest of my life. And then when it comes to weakness, once weaknesses are identified in our life, oh wow, then we really have a challenge. And that's why he went into the time to say we are, we are pressed, hard pressed at times at every side and yet not crushed. We can be perplexed, I don't know what to do, and yet somehow his power in us causes us to say, but he'll get me through this. I don't have to live in despair. The moments that I'm actually even persecuted, 
I realize he hasn't forsaken me. And not only that, I can be cast down. Anybody been cast down? Anybody ever trip over your own big feet? But we're not destroyed. In other words, when we get dinged, when we get cut, when we get impaired, he's not finished. Maybe some of the rest of us can identify better with, I know what it is to be covered, smothered, and scattered. And yet we're jars of clay. And what we're learning and what we're being reminded of is this huge reality that we know, but we need to make it absolutely outstanding in our understanding as well, that our weaknesses are not removed from us. How many times have we prayed, God, take this thing from me? How many times have we said, I wish I was pretty as so-and-so. I wish I was as popular as so-and-so. I wish I, w- I wish I was as gifted as so-and-so. I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish I don't like being me. Because I know about my weakness. And I hope nobody else has recognized it. But if they have recognized it, then it's even more painful. So we find ourselves retaliating. We find ourselves maybe cocooning or being alienated from somebody else because we don't like being less than perfect. Wow, pastor. But that's every single one of us. We like it when we can dress up, smell good, get every hair right where we want it. We like our our clothing to be designer fashion. We, we like it when everybody's like, wow, you look great today. We like that. We don't like it when somebody says, what happened to you? <laughs> and yet the word of God, oh man, comes in with this great truth that when we're weak, It is then and only then that his power can be revealed in us. It's in that moment that we realize I'm not pulling this off in my own wisdom, strength, education. Others recognize you're not doing this on your own. But that's the problem with the flesh. We want to take credit until we learn it's okay to have Weaknesses. Man, that will preach, Pastor. Come on. Man, that's so good. Jars of clay. Jars of clay that God uses. Paul said, I'm made perfect in weakness. Wow. How does that work? I, I, I thought I had to be perfect to be seen as perfect. But I'm being made, process, perfect. I'm getting in position where he can actually use me. 
And he said, I am now confident in every weakness, every insult, that I'm in position for him to do a better work, a greater work, a different work. If I asked today, how many would raise your hands? Do you want to give God glory? Every hand would go up. If I asked how many would raise your hands if you want others to see the glory of God in you, every hand would go up. But well, this is how it works. It's when we're seen and known and recognized as weak that we now have the opportunity for his glory to be revealed. We know all what the world has learned about success, about victories, that it is preparation meeting with opportunity. We have to do our part and then trust the other part will happen. And in that smack, in that kiss, there's a victory. We don't, we live in a world now that many would just say, well, it'll just happen. No, 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 no. There still was the stewardship that we study to show ourselves approved. This lady right here, of all the things I remember her preaching, the thing that is paramount to me, that stood out to me the most is, I needed to hear it at the time, and I hear her voice in my head, that God is not always looking for ability. He's looking for availability. That preparation on my part, Lord, here I am, use me. And at the end of the day, if I can't recognize that he used me that day, do I quit making myself available? Well, Lord, you know, I talked to you this morning at 4 o'clock. I've given you all day. What's up with you, God? It is this constant position, Lord, I am making myself available to you. Whether it's today, whether it's tomorrow, whether it's sometime in the future, here I am, Lord, use me. It is that availability, it is that preparation of heart, it's that preparation of mind. It is that walking in the path of righteousness for his name's sake that I can be in position when he needs somebody. How many of us have had those weak moments in life when we have stumbled all over ourselves? we have run our big old mouse, can I hear an Amen. And then all of a sudden, opportunity opens up for us to witness to somebody, and we're like, yeah, that's not working. I just cussed you 10 minutes ago. Those of you visiting, this is how I preach. I'm going to get in your stuff, and I'm going to keep it real. Have any of us walked a perfect walk? Turn to that person next to you and say, look at me. <laughs> He's talking about me. No, I have not. But where we many times cheat ourselves is, well, you know, I'm not perfect, so everybody knows that. Oh, wah. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? I don't, I wanted that opportunity. I missed that one. But there'll be others. That's the secret. Lord, I, I know I've said, here I am, Lord, use me. And there's, you've had those opportunities. The door was wide open, but I didn't feel worthy to walk through it. I felt like a who, me? So, Lord, I don't want to be in that position again. I want to be available. I want you to see me for who I am. 
God, I want you to, to order my steps. I want to bring glory to you. He brings out this statement that in us is treasure. Who, me? Many times it's hidden treasure. Too often it's hidden treasure. We don't even know what's in there. When my son, several years ago, this young lady's husband now, I took him to Lee University. Aaron was at that age of, I, I'm just trying to find myself. We had moved to Georgia from Arizona. He wasn't real happy with his dad's decision. Struggling. We've all been there. Life wasn't working out the way he thought it was supposed to work. Things were good. All of a sudden, it was changed. That clay was going to be reshaped. See, this is the good thing about the clay we're made of. It's living clay. It can be remolded. So Aaron finally comes to me after a, a, a lot of ordeals, and he said, Dad, I, I want to go to Lee. It was his decision. I didn't know what had inspired his thought, if somebody else. But I said, okay, son. And we traveled there. How many knows my son can sing? Well, he had learned that along the way, but had lost some of that drive and that passion. And so he got to try out for the vocal group that sings a cappella. So, some people preach naked. Well, when you sing a cappella, you're singing naked, folks. There ain't nothing to hide behind. And I took him there, and he auditioned. And then we walked to campus, and we talked about the director. And as we're driving back home, no decision's been made. I said, let me tell you something about this guy. He's going to reach down your throat, and he's going to get a hold of something down around that right ankle, and he's going to pull it out and say, did you know this was in you? Aaron found out what that really meant. And it wasn't always pretty and many times very painful. But there was treasure inside. What about you? The hidden treasure, if it is hidden, then we have to go on a journey of discovery. Paul said every every challenge, every difficulty gives opportunity for God to do something new in my life. Something fresh in my life. Most of the technologies, if not all the technologies we have today, medicines have come through a time of pain, of sickness, of somebody's difficulty and struggle. What are we going to do about it now? Well, we need to develop something that will help this guy, this gal, and others that will be likened unto them. So it is with us, every challenge. So it's time to search Again, remember the words, so that his surpassing power may be visible in us. Wow. His surpassing power. How many knows God's bigger than your mountain? God's greater than your valleys. God is more able than what you can think of. Every challenge, God is aware, and he's greater than the moment. He's not relegated to time, space. He is truly the Almighty. And he goes on and he talks about the ministry that we have, the gospel that we have, this treasure in this clay of us. But I won't even make that picture a little tighter. 
Because I know the big words are there of ministry and of gospel. And those are, those are religious terms. And we can embrace that because we're in a sanctuary. But what about next Tuesday? What about Thursday morning? Are we still feeling that same way? Well, here's what the ministry is all about. And this is what the gospel is all about. And I'll read you the words, the lyrics from not a religious song. But a song most of you know if you have any age on you at all. It's a Hal David song, a Burt Bacharach song. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. You see, this is the message of the gospel. This is the message of ministry. This is the treasure that he puts into us. We call it ministry. We call it gospel. We call it religious activity. But it is his love. That song, What the World Needs Now, the lyrics goes on. And he, in the verses it says, We have mountains and we have hillsides enough to climb. There are oceans that are never enough to cross. But what we need is not more mountains and more hillsides and more rivers or oceans. What we need is love. He goes on again and he says, there are meadows and cornfields and wheat fields and sunbeams and moonbeams, and we have all those more than we'll ever exhaust, but what we need is love. This is the treasure. That's why I said it'll be the best message I've ever preached. Because every one of us have that treasure in us. And it shouldn't be hidden. It needs absolutely to identify the jar that it's in. How many of you go to your refrigerator and you got that white thing in there? Do you reach in the refrigerator and you say, I want to get a glass of... And we define the, ca the cardboard container or the glass container. No, we, I want milk. You see, the jar is forgotten about. It's what the content is. Ooh, come on, somebody. When this lady goes to the refrigerator, she's looking for not only that white milk, but the chocolate milk. Man, I'm preaching now, aren't I, Nanny? You go get them, boy. I've never heard her say, Randy, thank you for, and Sheila, for getting these, this, this carton. Isn't that a great carton? Sometimes it's half-gallon size. Sometimes it's a full-gallon size. No, she's, I'm thankful for the chocolate milk. At night... We'll put a bowl in front of her. It's got white stuff. It's called vanilla ice cream. <laughs> she has never gone to bed by saying, thank you for getting that cardboard container that's in the freezer section instead of the refrigerator section. It's all about the content, isn't it, Nanny? Ooh, come on, somebody. This woman is amazing. She's better than Houdini. 
I mean, it is there and then it's not. You see it and then you don't. Oh, that's just too much. I can't, I, I can't eat all that. <laughs> I'm preaching from the book of Nanny today. This treasure. There's a plaque in our office that Lauren Adams brought in. I asked her to scan it. She said, I don't do that. I'll just put it on board. She'll put it on the screen right now. And it, it's the whole message that we're preaching right now. You still with me, girl? Yep, she's not there. She had to call it out to do something. So I think somebody else is running over there. I don't want to lose my moment. There she is. She's going to pull it up there. This is the ministry. This is the gospel. This is the answer to the question. Love God. Love people. The end. That's it. That's the treasure. That is why we're here. It's all that. Oh, we add a whole lot more to it, and it's good to enhance and to be reminded and to develop and dig in there and enhance, but that's the message. It's all about love. This word that we seemingly abuse and reduce and nullify, it is it. It is the subject. God is love. And he gives us the opportunity to love him back. And most of that time, we're loving him by loving others. The end. When you get this simple phrase in your head, it'll change your walk. When you're getting ready to blast somebody because they have irritated you, and they've got you on your last nerve ending. Love God. Love people. The end. How many miracles are waiting to happen with that act of wisdom? How many of us would say, the times that I have retaliated with my big mouth because somebody run their big mouth at me first, how many of you are proud of your moments like that? How much success has come from those moments? How many books have been written about those experiences of grandeur and of, of victory? On the contrast, how many say, you loved me when I wasn't lovable. Because somebody loved us when we were far from lovable. Who, me? Stand with me.